technology is not working the same for people of different skin color. It's important to have teachers and students in that field just to give them opportunities to have these nice jobs, these good careers and things going in that way. Well, let's get this teacher teaching computer science or computing classes in general that get these kids excited about um, wanting to be in that space. The topic of today's podcast is diversifying the computer science pipeline. Unpacking Education is brought to you by Avid.org. Avid believes in seeing the potential of every student. To learn more about Avid, visit their website at avid.org. Welcome to Unpacking Education, the podcast where we explore current issues and best practices in education. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Winston Benjamin. We are educators. And we're here to share insights and actionable strategies. Education is our passport to the future. Our quote for today is from Tracy Chu, software engineer and advocate for diversity in technology-related fields, current CEO of Block Party, formerly worked at Pinterest. She says the quality, relevance, and impact of products and services outputted by the technology sector can only be improved by having people who are building them be demographically representative of the people who are using them. What are y'all thinking about this quote? I just think this is so true. So I think about how technology is not race neutral and all technology that is used or created by humans who bring their understanding and perspective of the world as well as their biases into their designs. So if companies, society don't actively try to change the current systems, then digital tools, they're just going to continue to deepen racial hierarchies so and perpetuate things that are wrong. So yes, yes, yes. <laughs> totally agree with you, Rena. I think it's really important that we have diverse voices and perspectives in the design and distribution of technologies. You know, we all have bias. And even if the designers do their very best to put their biases aside and act in an unbiased manner, it can still creep in. I mean, that's just human nature, despite all our good intentions. So the best way to create a tech world that represents everyone is to have those diverse representations in that creation process. And that's really part of the reason I'm really excited that we have the guest we do today. I'm going to turn it over to you, Winston. You can you can do some introductions. Oh, man. See, this is where I was kind of hoping you'd turn it over to me. Or actually, Alan, our Alan uh, Antoine <laughs> is our guest for today. And I'm going to try to actually throw that question and that quote to Alan as well. But before we start, I just want to um, welcome our guest, Alan Antoine, who's a computer science professional development specialist, program di director, working at Computing Educator Diversity Initiatives at the University of Texas in Austin. Um, before we start, Alan, would you be willing to share your thoughts on the quote? What, what did you think about our quote today? Um, well, thank you guys for having me, uh, first and foremost, but, um, definitely, um, I, a lot of readings that I've been doing as of late, um, speak to this, this idea of just kind of needing that diversity, um, in what we do, that it has to be representative of who all is in the population and, and truer words haven't been spoken. I think Rua Benjamin's work on, uh, race after technology speaks a lot um, to that idea of having different voices to be able to represent um, those who will be using the technology. And I think that that's a, uh, you're hitting the nail on the head on 
a big reason why we do the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And thank you so much for being willing to participate in our podcast and having this conversation, this very needed conversation about diversifying um, the computer pipeline um, or computer science pipeline. So could you introduce yourself and tell us our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background and your work um, at the University of Texas at Austin? I'm, um, I'm Alan Antoine. And yes, um, as, as you said, I'm a computer science professional development specialist. I work with the um, Expanding Pathways in Computing Group at the Texas Advanced Computing Center at the University of Texas at Austin. Um, I also work at Rice University, where I'm the associate director of um, mathematics and computer science for our Office of STEM Engagement. Um, I do a couple of other odd jobs here and there with a couple of different other entities who, um, who try to get more teachers um, teaching computer science in our schools and, um, and, and try to advocate for CS as much as, as we can. So that's, you know, in, in, a, in, in a broad strokes, that's who I am. Um, and hopefully, you know, obviously over the course of the next, um, the next couple of minutes or so, we'll talk a little bit about more about the work that I do. Absolutely. Thank you so okay, much. Well, let's just jump into it. And we, we alluded to it a little bit in, with our opening. But just hearing from you, why is it important that we have teachers and students of color in tech fields and specifically in the area of computer science? Um, well, I mean, I could go on and on about that, you know, all day. Right. Um, but it boils down to, as we just kind of talked about, having diverse perspectives um, in, 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 in the room. And in some of my talks, like I, I talk about these things all of the time. It's like there's the basics, like like opportunities. Right. There's something in the neighborhood of 70 percent of all of the new computing jobs um, that are in STEM or in computing. And while that's the case, only 10 percent of the people who have bachelor's degrees in STEM are in CS. It's, it's one of the number one most like biggest sources of um, wages in new jobs. Right. But we have all of these things. Right. We want we want our students to be able to have these opportunities, our historically excluded students. Um, but they don't often get that. So it's important to have teachers and students in that field just to give them opportunities to have these nice jobs, these good careers and things going in that way. But also um, we could get into like some of the nitty gritty. Right. In one of my talks, I talk about um, recently and in, in, in the last few years, there was in the news about um, ring doorbells, doing some things with facial recognition and with that facial recognition software, um, it, 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 it immediately spoke to me because one of the programs I've been working with at Rice is um, the precise advanced technologies and health systems for underserved populations. And in that program, they're talking about like seeing below the skin, developing wearable technologies that um, can help look at health outcomes like diabetes and high blood pressure. One of the big things that comes up in these programs is this idea of technologies not working the same for people of different skin color, right? And when you tie that to this idea that like maybe the ring doorbells are doing things where they're using facial recognition software to reach out to local police departments to say, hey, the wrong person's at the wrong house. I don't have to paint the picture anymore clearly as to why that could be problematic, right? And it's, it's problematic not just because of the technologies. I don't think anyone's going into this with um, nefarious expectations of what the technologies will do, right? Um, you spoke a little bit about how technologies aren't neutral, Right. I, I, these algorithms we create aren't neutral, but people don't always take that into consideration. And when you have diverse voices in the room, 
when you have people who can think about these things, who have lived experiences, who understand um, um, bias, who understand things like prejudice and understand how um, the legal system could be not applied legal, um, the same for different people. It becomes uh, an imperative to need people of diverse backgrounds in, um, in computing fields. I mean, I actually saw another story in the last few weeks about um, they're developing something that uses facial recognition and artificial intelligence um, to once they hear your voice, it develops a face that they think looks like your voice. And I, I just laughed and was like, why do we need that? You, just because we can do everything doesn't mean we should do everything. But it's, 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 it's a lot of diverse reasons. But these are some of the things that come to mind when you ask that question. And prejudice part aside, I'm not sure if I want to see what my face would look like if they built it off my voice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, what do we do with that technology, right? And well, I mean, yeah, right. I, exactly. And, you know, you, you alluded to it a little bit earlier that um, we're underrepresenting people of color in the career opportunities in the computer science field. And there are a lot of times really good paying jobs. Um, where are we at in terms of student and instructor diversity? You know, what does the pipeline look like right now? Is is there any bright light shining for the future? We've got a lot of work to do. Where are we at? I mean, I'm going to always say that we got a lot of work to do because it's the work that I do. And I think that it's important to do so. Right. Um, but, you know, Code.org and, um, and and the Computer Science Teachers Association and um, ESEP, the ESEP Alliance, which is expanding computing pathway, um, computing education pathways, they um, release a yearly state of CS education report. So I would encourage anybody out there to listen to go ahead on and Google that. Look that up each year. Um, they, they put that out. And um, they're going to be putting one out um, really soon for the 2022 year. And um, it speaks about just kind of where we are in terms of diversity. Um, um, I, I think the, la the latest number says something in the neighborhood is 75 percent of, of CS teachers are, are, are white teachers, with only 19 percent of those teachers being from historically excluded groups. Um, so it's not that diverse in regards to our teacher diversity. It's not a lot of research with that, but that's kind of some of the most recent numbers. Um, but the student diversity is way, way more lacking. And I mean, like I said, I could, I could bust down each one of those numbers, but I, I would encourage you to kind of go look those up. It's, a, it's vast differences in regards to um, women and historically excluded groups being in these computing, um, in these computing fields and, and even taking the classes, right? So, um, I mean, I think that we're doing some, we're doing some good work um, um, you spoke about what we're doing at UT and uh, we've been doing teacher preparation work since around 2014-15 and we're getting hundreds more teachers in the state of Texas um, certified to teach computer science um, and, and these and these teachers are we've, we've made some concerted efforts to make those teachers to find diverse teachers to do so um, but also um, I've had the opportunity to go to different states to go to Pennsylvania to go to Indiana um, and, and, and the DMV and we did a lot of teacher preparation programs there as well, just kind of getting more teachers um, interested in doing it and, you know, hopefully seeing um, seeing my face and seeing that um, it, it, it can be something for diverse groups um, is something that we're, we're proud of. And it looks like we're, we're on the uptick, but there's still always going to be a lot of work to do there. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that, that you're acknowledging the growth and the positive no, uh, trend forward. Right. And I think sometimes we, we fail to recognize the, the actual work that individuals have put in to get us to where we are. So I appreciate you acknowledging those past individuals that have continued to push forward for our work. But as we know, there's still barriers, there's still 
things that prevent access. So as we start thinking and naming so that we can look to solutions from those naming of those um, barriers, what are some of the barriers of for people of color in entering this field of study so that we can try to think about how to strategically attack those named ideals? Um, I would start with just kind of the basics, right? It's not computer science isn't offered in every school. It isn't offered in many schools, right? They said only 51% of schools um, offer, high schools offer computer science. And then when we think about just kind of our country and how things often take place, it's the haves and the have nots. Those, those communities, um, those groups, those schools that have access and that have resources often have the access, right? And it, and it ties very much hand in hand to um, those students getting an opportunity I use the term historically excluded um, quite intentionally because um, they're excluded for a reason, right? Like it's 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 historically um, a, a factor in this part, right? Um, and then when we kind of even if a, um, students who are um, who are in this in this infrastructure where they're at a school who may be able to have those opportunities, they still can't see themselves in that um, in that major study. Like I'm I'm an exception to the rule, right? My mother was a uh, was was principal of my high school right so and when I was in, in in high school she told me hey you have to take a computer science class um, she and she just was like you need to do it and ultimately it kind of pushed me to a pipeline where I was like all right I'll try computer science in college and then I got a computer engineering degree and these things happen just quite because I had a, a person who was pushing me that way oftentimes that isn't necessarily what's done and these students kind of look at it like it's historically not for them. It's that's not something that they see themselves in the major. Right. We could talk about the, um, the, the the images they see, the projects they do in the class, the teacher who might be in the class, the other students who are excited about it. They might look at it and say, nah, that's not necessarily the way I want to go. And uh, one of our colleagues, um, Ryan Torby, he's been doing some research on um, this idea of algebra one. Um, and taking that course in middle school being a, a great predictor of can you even take these computing courses in high school? And my personal experience when I was in the classroom led me to believe that, um, I mean, I, I, in Texas, we have these opt-in policies where parents have to go and say, I want my kid to take Algebra 1 in middle school, right? And if they don't know that, or they don't know that that's something important to do, then their kids miss the boat there, right? And then when we get to high school, they're playing catch up. They're taking algebra one in ninth grade, which sounds like it's what it should be, but they're playing catch up. And then by the time they're in junior and senior year, there might be co-requisites or prerequisites for computer science courses that they can't even they can't even engage. They can't even get into if they want to. So it's a it's a multi-level um, problem or but I think it's there are solutions that, you know, we can we can there are named solutions that we can talk about and that we can try to enforce in our schools to hope, hopefully get more um, students of color um, entering the field of study that can ultimately diversify that pipeline even more. So that actually leads us into the next part where we'd like to talk about some of those named solutions, just looking at what <laughs> are some of those named solution strategies. And then I, I am an elementary background who is very, I'm an advocate for introducing computer science pre-K. So you're talking more about middle and high school and how do we help students see themselves as computer scientists starting at a very young age. So I'm just curious about some of those strategies. Um, so I would be I would be um, remiss if I didn't talk about some of the work that I'm doing. Right. And 
one of those things we've, we've created an um, online course that we're still cultivating and creating and, and, and putting the finishing touches on, but it's called Strategies for Effective and Inclusive Computer Science Teaching. And um, in, in a lot of those pinpoints, we talk about some of the societal problems um, where teachers can kind of open their eyes to see these, what, what are some of the issues that are keeping these students from wanting to be um, in the courses. And a big part of that is making the curriculum something that'll make these students want to stay, that'll want to come and have some retention in computer science. And, um, you know, there's a lot of these, these specific strategies, but these ideas of just put this in front of them and make them look at it and say, oh, this is something I want to do. Also, um, you know, making CS more equitable. Um, I talked about the fact that um, I've been doing, um, the, being the director of the Computing Educator Diversity Initiative. And that a big part of that is trying to find more positive role models or just role models in a computer science space that students can see themselves in, um, in that coursework. So I spoke a little bit about that before. What we do in that effort is we recruit women, we recruit teachers of color to say, hey, you might not have never thought about, ever thought about being a computer science educator, but we need you. And the reason we need you is because we need these kids to see, oh, I like this teacher, or I know this teacher, or I have some kind of an affinity towards that teacher. It always doesn't break down across racial lines either, right? It could be cultural backgrounds, right? We have shared cultural experiences where this is my favorite teacher. I like this teacher. Well, let's get this teacher teaching computer science or computing classes in general that get these kids excited about um, wanting to be in that space. Yeah, that's awesome. And this is a kind of a extension of that question a little bit. Um, what are some like responsive teaching strategies that we can use to achieve those equity goals within that context? No, absolutely. Um, I mean, like um, we, we, we talk about things like and I'm, and I'm going to kind of throw in a lot of the things that we talk about in the course and culturally, culturally responsive teaching um, looks similar across content areas, but in CS specifically, like we want to, you know, have these students doing um, projects and, and activities that speak to like um, family and communal and, and cultural assets that we want to incorporate that into the lesson plans that we do so that they feel like it's something. Acknowledge the things that we don't always want to acknowledge. Acknowledge racism in CS. Acknowledge that there are some issues with algorithms, um, those algorithmic bias that really takes place in that and how we can enact um, anti-racist practices, like those type of things. Um, I talked about diverse professionals and role models, but not just necessarily your teacher. Bring in, if, if your teacher can't be that, then we, we find some other diverse role models who are working in the field, have them come talk to the kids, have them um, like, like step into the classroom and talk about how these students can, can, can impact the field in that way. Um, and you know, when we talk about just general see, um, um, culturally responsive strategies, have our, like, it can't be, computer science can't just be, let's sit in front of this computer and code, right? Let's not do that. Let's get up. Let's move around. Let's have some voices. Uh, one, of my, one of my good friends, um, Victor Hicks, out, um, um, Coach Hicks, is, uh, does something with coding for the culture. And he talks a lot about, like, he, he does things with, um, like, Greek stepping, like, like, uh, like a fraternal organization. And he puts, like, a, a step team type of thing in as developing an algorithm for, like, coding, right? You can talk about really the kind of the basics of coding, which is algorithm development and finding creative ways to introduce those topics of abstraction and algorithmic development instead of just by the book type of ways. Let's do it in creative ways that get these students excited, get them, get them standing up, get them moving around, get them at the board, get them developing um, and, and, and understanding, you know, that 
that it's going to be fun and it's going to be interesting and finding those strategies that work for groups that aren't often represented in computer science. Mm-hmm. Mm. I really appreciate you talking through and to concepts of perspective of who is computer science is for. Earlier, you talked about the the intellectual stigma that uh, students of color are not available or ha- have access to that. And also the students stigmatizing that they don't look like or should be a part of that computer science ideal, right? Or ideology or belief. But here's the thing that I want to know is what can our K-12 teachers and schools do to help diversify the computer science pipeline, i.e. supporting the shift in those ideologies about who it belongs to? Well, I mean... On a school level, on a, on a district level, first you got to make it a priority. You have to make this a priority to do so. Um, I, I, I'll tell you this. When I was in, like I told you, I have a computer engineering background. And when I first started teaching, I taught, um, I taught math, right? I was teaching Algebra 1. And there's no way possible that my principal would have allowed me to leave my Algebra 1 class to teach computer science. It just wouldn't have been a thing, right? Because it's an elective. We have that stigma of um, we need these kids to, we need our subpopulations who often don't, i.e., you know, quote unquote, buzzword for, we need our black boys to pass math. So we don't need you in that computer science classroom. We need you in this math classroom because it's it's more important. And we need you teaching summer school to get all of the kids, right? Um, So sometimes you gotta, like at a school level, you have to look at it and say, hey, we're gonna prioritize putting some of our best and brightest in that computer science um, place. And and I speak to that just for, uh, on a school level, on a teacher level, um, you you don't have to, you can't be afraid to try, to try and be a part of the solution. Um, I know firsthand, by working with teachers and trying to get them certified um, in computer science, that it's, it's not the easiest thing. That test, the, the practice exam nationwide in Texas, our Texas 241 exam, it's one of the toughest tests to get certified. That is, a, that is a, an unassailable fact, right? But if you put forth the effort, there are, there are tools in place. Um, there's a Foundations for Computer Science for Teachers courses. There's, off, there's other resources online that allow you to, to, to learn the material and help you to get certified. It may look daunting at first, but once you kind of get the wheels turning, understand some basics of programming, it's just like anything else. You can see, um, you, you can become a part of um, the solution in that part. And also, go to, go to conferences, um, like hire dedicated district personnel, like learn what's going on in the space. And I think that, um, you know, schools and districts can, can, can be in a, of assistance um, in that way. Um, and that you, you spoke a little bit about um, culturally, when we were talking to you, you, in your response, you said something, um, and this is a part that I'm gonna have to pause because I gotta remember what you just said. I, I for, I'm forgetting you right now. Winston, you said, um, in the lead into that question. It was the stigma towards and from like the teachers to students of color and also the stigma of students of color looking at computer science as like not belonging to them. Got you. Got you. I remember what I was going to say. Yeah. And we spoke a little bit earlier about um, just algorithmic bias. And, you know, I wanted to touch back on that. Like there is a an activity where you said seeing yourself in computer science. There's an activity where I read in um, I was doing reading Sophia Noble's book on algorithms of oppression. And she talked a lot about this idea of if you type in 
um, black women are, right? That an auto-complete type of thing on one of your search engines might give you some alarming and, and, and some real negative results. But also, another thing that we've, we've looked at and, and saw is if you type in professor, if you type in computer science teacher, like, and go to an image search, Across different search engines, that's going to give you some different, um, some different, some different feedback, and a lot of times it's not going to be representative of these students, right? So there's so many different ways where students won't see themselves in in this in this space because there's so there's so many like subliminal ways where they're not allowed to see themselves mm-hmm. in the world. Oh, I appreciate that answer. Yeah, it's a lot to think about and process and take in, uh, and I just want. As we continue going forward, what gives you hope that we can achieve greater diversity in the computer science field? What is that sparkle? <laughs> um, well, I would say that, you know, the work is being done. There are people out here doing the work. And I think that that gives me hope. Like, I mean, I'm here, right? You guys asked me to come and speak to you guys. I'm getting more opportunities to speak about these needs um, in front of your audience and in front of other audiences. Um, my, my schedule is oftentimes booked with Hey, come and talk to these kids. Come and talk to these teachers. Come and talk to these districts about the need for C, um, for computer science. Um, and something that I can speak to personally in um, uh, about a month and a half ago, the Computer Science Teachers Association had their annual conference. So they had CSTA out there in Chicago. And um, when I went to it, it was one of the first times that I had went to CSTA. And I'm walking around and I'm like, okay, this is a little bit more diverse than I thought it was. And then we had an opportunity to have something that they had these different affinity groups. They had the, um, and they had the African-American, the black teachers of computer science affinity group. Um, There's a picture floating around online. Um, One of my colleagues, Shana Glass, was instrumental in kind of getting the group together, but it was like, I think over a hundred black teachers who teach computer science in in, in the United States. And we were just all together. And it was just awesome because it, it, it made me feel like, you know, I was kind of finding my village, right? Um, my wife and I always talk about this idea of finding your village. Like com- computer science teachers in general, when they're at their campus and they're doing work and not just computer science, computer technology, tech apps, everything in that umbrella. Uh, oftentimes when they go to their um, their grade level meetings or their, their, their content area meetings, they're meeting with the art teacher and the other CTE teachers. And it's just this it's a robust group of teachers who might not have a lot that is in common. Um, so you have to kind of look for those opportunities. And as I'm kind of looking around, I'm seeing that C- CS teachers often struggle with that. But there are in this virtual space that we've been allowed to kind of congregate in these days, we're often we're, we're able to find each other a lot better. And I'm seeing that there, the diversity is happening. I'm hearing these conversations about what's happening at schools in Arizona, at schools that's in, in Minnesota, in, in, um, in, in Oklahoma. Like I'm talking to teachers about how um, diversity is a priority in these different places and how computer science is a priority. So I definitely have some hope. I'm definitely encouraged by um, the direction that we're going. Awesome. I, I was also in Chicago, Alan. I didn't, maybe I saw you and I actually work with Shana. I'm on the committee. So I was there and it was awesome. I was so excited to be back in person. And, <laughs> and I, I actually really appreciated some of the more, a lot more diverse sessions, a lot more. It just, it also, I come back from that just completely energized. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad that you were able to be there. And this is going to take us into our next set. Uh, section our toolkit so it's time to ask that question what's in the toolkit 
Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. What's in the toolkit? What? What is in the toolkit? What's in the toolkit? Check it out. I'm trying to narrow it down to a practical um, approach because several of the things Alan mentioned were big picture. But I think one of the is information is key. Parents, get your kids into algebra one in eighth grade. <laughs> like my and the reason why I think that's just so important is my parents are immigrants, so they had no idea what American school was and the rules around that. So as I speak to those who are connected to that immigrant community, please share the knowledge that get your kids into the classes that will give them access to other things. Um, we've mentioned a, bu- but there, a bunch, but there's a lot of resources out there. Um, so CSTA has a lot of great resources, code.org. And then even as Alan alluded to, I know in Washington State here, like UW has been partnering. I, we just got an email like encouraging math teachers, like, hey, there's a grant. Well, you're going to pay for you to take these courses so you can become a CS teacher. So there's lots of opportunities. So if you're listening and you're just, hmm, this might be something I'm interested in, reach out because there's opportunities for you as well. I'm going to hang my hat on one of the things that Alan said too, and that was to have diverse role models. I really think that is a tool we can use in our schools. Bring people in that look like lots of different people and get those in front of the students so that they can see people that they connect with and um, make sure that it, it connects with all the different stakeholders and and groups in your in your building and really even bringing in computer science people in general because I know when I went to school nobody saw a computer scientist nobody knew what one was or what they did of course that was a few years ago but even in the schools that I've been teaching in you just don't see them much less in in you know diverse diversity so I think both are really important and I think in different areas, I, I'm going to jump in just because I remember taking some high school kids. This is pre-pandemic, but they were able to go to a place of business. And I think their understanding of what a computer scientist is and was. And then they had this young lady talk to us about how she was developing apps when she was at the gym to work out. And do, and the kids were just like eating everything about this up. What? That's what you get to do with your job? And she, she was promoting some amazing things that aren't talked about in school. Like, you can work from anywhere. And I go here and I design these apps based on my interests. And because I'm a young woman of color, I'm hired all the time. And because I... So it was just really great for them to even see computer science in a different way than some of the stereotypes we think about. And, you know, another opportunity that we can maybe jump on is the whole CT trend right now, the career technical piece. If we can bring in, use that as an opportunity to bring in computer scientists, I think that's also another avenue for us. And I'll throw in something to the toolkit, too, if you don't mind, right? Please, (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I'm always thinking about, um, sometimes it's kind of, you know, you got to fool the baby to take the medicine, right? So um, sometimes, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm this this idea of computational thinking, right? Algorithm development, um, just kind of breaking down a problem to make it more abstract solutions. Think about, look at those tenets of algorithm of um, of computational thinking. You can slide computational thinking into any discipline, 
anything you're teaching, you can, it's, it's all about problem solving. And once you kind of start developing those problem solving skills, those are the prerequisite skills. Those are the skills that you need to, to get into those intro level, uh, entry level discoveries and foundations and computer science classes. Um, so kind of a, 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 a focus on computational thinking. And you just said something that made me think. I read a story today. Now, I don't know. I haven't read all of the, the specifics about it. So it, it, I might hear more later. But um, that a rapper got signed to Capitol Records and it was the first ever um, rapper made via AI. I, I, I'm saying this weird, yeah, but it's yeah. a thing. It's yeah, like I a, heard about it. someone coded a machine learning algorithm and they probably took in a whole bunch of data of what rappers rap about. And they made one and it's a completely computer generated thing. And it got it has hundreds of thousands of views online. I don't even think the kids would understand that how much coding went into the development of that. But some of them probably look at that and that might be an artist they listen to on YouTube and stuff. So it's, it's crazy to me what all of the things and ways that you can introduce students to these bigger ideas. Mm-hmm. For sure. And with that, let's hop into our next segment, which is our one thing. It's time for that one thing. One thing. One thing. It's time for that one thing. It's that one thing. All right, Rena, what's your one thing for the day? It's a lot of things. I know, but I love when Alan talked about the importance of including people. It's imperative to have lived experiences and diverse voices. So I love this idea of just incorporating lived experiences and how important that really is. One thing that I'm going to take with me is the purposeful use of historically excluded. I appreciate that language because it puts somewhat responsibility, not on a systematic or larger scale structure, but it gives and the weight to individual choice you sir chose to not invest into this program you ma'am chose not to do this so there's a there's a powerful um conversation happening there with responsibility um that i that i appreciate and that i'm going to continue to think about and i'm going to dwell on uh, another thing that alan said and that's we need to make students want to stay we need to give them some kind of experiences with computer science, in computer science, that's engaging, that's fun, that's interesting, that hooks them. Find, find something that makes them want to stay so that we can bring more people into that career area. And Alan, you get to, you get to drop something in the one thing as well. What's your, what's your final takeaway you'd like to leave us with today? Well, my one takeaway would be that um, that that there's a desire and there's a need for for the work that we're doing. I'm hearing you guys and talking to you guys um, in, in, in Minnesota and in Washington and in Texas. We all have these same issues going on in our schools and our districts. And um, actually, earlier in the year, I, I went to Cape Town, South Africa and did a training um, with teachers there. And what I realized is that the struggle that teachers go through is it's the same in it's the same locally, nationally, internationally. 
um, teachers are going through the same experiences and um, student motivation is a hard part. So like kind of piggybacking on what you just said, like we want to make sure that we're giving them experiences, but we want to make sure but that we're all going through it. And that if we kind of bond as a teacher community through these things, then I'm sure that we're going to get some great solutions um, to diversifying the CS pipeline and getting our kids prepared for these next generation um, jobs and skills. And I, I just want to say um, in closing, Alan, thank you so much for bringing such a depth of knowledge to this conversation. Um, and as Rena pointed out, a lived experience, right? You went through it as a student and getting access to all of those different um, avenues or hoops and barriers and roadblocks to find success. So in my closing, I just want to recognize and, and applaud those of you who like yourself who are there in the computer science field doing the work to try to diversify such a large community as a whole. And as you continue to do your work, we hope that we can continue to push our students to see you as they see themselves. As we continue to say, and I'm going to continue to push your words, we think about those who are ex historically excluded. Remember, the goal is not to let them into the pipeline. It's to open the pipeline so it floods faster. We're already there. They're already able. How are you getting out of the way and giving opportunity for those to take access to the next level? So remember, um, as we do our work forward and push forward, we continue to do the work together. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, um, listeners, for continuing to um, move forward with us in this work. Thanks for being here, Alan. No, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Unpacking Education. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org, where you can discover resources to support student agency, equity, and academic tenacity to create a classroom for future-ready learners. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Unpacking Education. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thank you for all you do. You make a difference.